Hello everyone and welcome to the 25th episode of the podcast and today Mr. JP Cooney the legend. Thanks very much Mark. I don't know about uh, I don't know about the Mr. part of it. It makes me sound like I'm up in court for something. <laughs> no, you're definitely not. Uh, <laughs> welcome on JP. Um, so we'll start off um, was sport like always a big thing in the Cooney household? Yeah, yeah, it, it would have been. Uh, look, uh, first, uh, first and foremost, Mark, uh, thanks very much for having me. Delighted to, delighted to join you for tonight's episode. Um, hopefully, 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 people who listen to this might get a bit of crack out of it. Um, yeah, yeah, sport uh, was sport always a big thing. Yeah, probably it was. It was truth be told. Um, on my mother's side of the family, she had like four brothers. Um, they all played played rugby um, in Turles, which is where I'm from, uh, Turles in County Tipperary. So all of them would have played rugby with Turles. Um, some of them would have captained Turles at one stage or another. Um, and my father also played rugby for Turles as well. So that's actually how my mother and father met. Um, I don't know, was it after a match someday or something like that? Um, so yeah, it, it, I suppose I won't say it's a bit strange, but you know, Turles, Turles, and where I went to school and all that, to be be known for its hurling more than anything else. You know, um, Turles would be a, a junior rugby club down in Tipperary. Does not like they'd have good numbers. Like they always would have been a strong enough club. Um, but yeah, like a lot of a lot of lads that would have played for Turles, they would have been playing maybe hurling or football as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's I suppose how I got into rugby. Started playing rugby at a young age up in Turles, and I was maybe under eights or that. And uh, yeah, that's that's where it all started, I suppose. Um, did you realize that you wanted like to pursue rugby as a career? Uh, I'd be brutally honest, Mark. I didn't. Um, I didn't realize. I, ne- I never realized or I never thought or I never expected to, to, you know, play professional rugby, um, you know, just being brutally honest about it. So um, I represented Munster um, at underage level, at under 18, under 19, under 20. Um, I finished school when I was about, I finished school when I was 17. I wasn't long, I did like, I started school really early because I'm really smart, <laughs> but um, I didn't do, I didn't do transition year at like that. Um, so I actually was quite young when I finished school. Um, I think I was only maybe, I was only 17, about two months when I went down to college. Um, and I started studying engineering. Um, I was still under 18 for Turles, but like, obviously I was playing, I played Munster Youths. Um, I just started, start, just started back training with the Munster 19s. Um, and what happened was the one of the one of the apartment complexes I was living in. Um, one of the guys that owns the apartment complex, he was a Gary Owen man. Um, you know, he was a lifelong club member. Uh, he got onto me one day when he saw me in Munster Gear and was like, You're playing with a club down here. Do you want to play with a club down here? Can I have your number? So give him give him my number. A guy called me about a week later. I went out, had a look around in Gary Owen. I was like, geez, this is a really good club. I think I could uh, learn and develop here. Um, so, yeah, I started playing rugby with Gary Owen, played under 20s um, when I was still under 18s. I actually, I actually, the first year, 
first year I went out there, I actually played four on four teams in that year. I played under 18s, I played under 20s. I played junior rugby and I played I played one game senior rugby off the bench. Now I was I was very young at that stage. But like at the same time I was in the Munster Sub Academy, um, which was great. Yeah, look, I, I really enjoyed it. But my mother and father made no bones about me, uh, telling me the way it was. Um, I was down in Limerick primarily for an education, um, first and foremost, and rugby, rugby was secondary. And I was, look, I was okay with that. Um, you know, they were obviously giving me a bit of a hand to try and get down to Limerick. I used to have to work during the summers as well. So a lot of the time when teams were maybe, you know, when a Munster Sub Academy was training or stuff like that, I was actually at home working. Uh, so I would have missed a lot of training sessions. Um, off the back of that then as well, the college course that I was in, there was a lot of mandatory hours in it. So basically, you have to go to class. And if you don't go to class, you'll fail. Um, so I was kind of given, I won't say I was given the option, but I made made my own choice that my, my education came first and I wasn't going to be missing out on that um, to, to go to training sessions, um, which I think kind of stood to me a small bit as, as time went on. As a result of that, I was actually dropped out of the Munster Sub Academy, you know, um, just for one reason or another. But like I didn't stop playing rugby with Gary Owen. Um, I learned an awful lot. One of the senior coaches out there gave me a shot to play senior rugby at a very young age. Um, I played, I was player of the year for Gary Owen when I was, I'd say I was 19 or 20. Um, and uh, off the back of that then, like I was just enjoying my rugby. I was playing with a good Gary Owen team. We ended up winning an All-Ireland Senior Cup. Um, it was actually the year that I finished college. So when I had finished college, um, Connacht actually came and they had offered me a contract, a development contract to come up. So it worked out in my favor massively um, because I had just finished college. I had my degree. And next thing I was given a chance to go play rugby. And I was like, do you know what? I've nothing to lose here. May as well go give it a go and see what happens. And um, yeah, I give, I give seven years up here. So playing professional rugby. So the, the attitude I had was like, yeah, grand look, let, let's go with this and see where it goes while I'm, while I'm given the chance. Um, but at the end of the day, I always had a kind of in the, in the back of my head that, you know, rugby doesn't last you forever. Um, I was lucky enough to get seven good years at it, you know, before I had to finish up. So no, uh, no, 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 no regrets. Um, no regrets. I wasn't, uh, I was never looking at it as an opportunity to, to like, for it to be a way of living for me. Uh, I always had it in the back of my mind that I'd have to go back working at some stage. So here I am. And, like, what was, what was the experience like of playing professional rugby? Yeah, they, overall, overall, it's a great experience. Um, like you think about it, how many people, how many young children wake up in this in this country every day, you know, wanting to be professional rugby players or professional athletes in whatever their um, whatever sport they're at, you know. Um, so yeah, for me to be given that opportunity and to take it and to be there for seven years, um, it was a great experience. Sometimes I kind of pinch myself and wonder. <laughs> You know, I pinch myself on, on how lucky I was to get that chance and to play with some of the players that I played with, um, some, of, some of which I'm still very good friends with today. Um, like people, obviously, they, they, they see, the, they see the everything on telly. Um, you know, they see the, the performance, they see the match winning try, they see all that crack. 
like it is tough it is tough as well outside of the pub like there is all that kind of stuff with it but I suppose you know it comes it comes as part of it you know I mean like it's not something that oh you moan and you complain about you just you just take it and you go with it because it's all a part of it at the end of the day um overall my experiences were great I loved it loved every second of it uh, obviously there was very tough days very hard days um but for me anyway the the memories and the friendships that I have out of it um you know the positive ones anyway they fa- they far outweigh you know anything any negative aspects of it and since you retired um I, do you still watch rugby and stuff like that? I do. I'm actually I'm actually head coach out in Corinthians, um, here in in, in Galway. Um, I was I was got an opportunity to to go in there as head coach after I finished up. Um, I took it with both arms. Um, because like I feel I like I love rugby. It's a huge part of my life. Um, I feel I've an awful lot to give. You know, back to the sport as well. Um, and if I'm given an opportunity to work with like players out in a club that are on the same wavelength as me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's great, you know. Um, yeah, I still watch a lot of the rugby. Um, uh, probably not as much as I did when I was playing because having to watch rugby at that point, it's part of your job. Um, like, or put you this way, if I was out of the house and I ended up recording the game, recording that game that I missed, um, Unless I had the time to sit down and watch it, I don't know would I go back and watch through the whole lot of it. Whereas when I was playing, you kind of have to watch it to see what's going on. Um, so yeah, rugby is still a big part of my life, Mark, um, and and I do thoroughly enjoy it. And how's the new coaching role going for you? Yeah, going well. Um, going well. Obviously, there was a big, uh, you know, obviously with COVID, there was a there was a stop put on it um, for a long time, but. Yeah, we're back playing games now there in the last week or two. Um, we've got Norwegians there on Friday night under lights out in Corinthians. Um, so I think, you know, it, not only, I suppose, are we a Corinthians looking forward to it, I'm sure that the guys in Norwegians are looking forward to it as well. Um, obviously, a huge crosstown rivalry there, uh, which is which is good. It's healthy for the game. Um, and, you know, it, like you, sit, you think about the days that are gone by, you know, you're sitting there back in February, back in March, not knowing where things are going. Um, outside of the fact that it's Corinthians and Gaul regions, I think it's just great that there's that we're back playing rugby again. Um, and we have the ability to, to I suppose, um, fulfill fixtures like that, you know. You old Galway rivalry. Yeah. Um... Uh, at least, at least you're a Corinthians manager. At least you're not called regions, because I'd have to end this call right now. <laughs> regions. Yeah, I, w- I won't pass. I won't pass any comment, Mark. It, it was actually funny enough there the last couple of years because um, a good friend of mine, a guy that I played with in Connacht, Andrew Brown, a uh, guy that I still keep in very, very close contact with, he was the Gaul regions coach there for the last year or two. And I was the Corinthians coach. So I, I obviously enough, like there's that old rivalry between Corinthians and Gaul regions, but it made it, it made it a small bit better that, you know, Brownie, my friend, he was he was coaching the uh, he was coaching the Gaul regions team at the time. So a bit of friendly banter and a bit of club rivalry, nothing nothing beats it, you know. Yeah, and um I suppose like there's a new you you are safe, I think that's what it's called. Um, 
I don't know if you heard about it or anything like that. United Rugby Championship, yeah, I, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen drafts. I kind of have an, a loose idea of, of what it's about. I, I I won't lie to you, Mark. I didn't study it in too much detail, but um, yeah, I do I do have a fair idea of what it's about. Um, and what do you think about like the South Africans coming in? Do you think it's a good thing to do? Like, yeah, well, I suppose looking at it, there the South Africans have been, um. Have been a part of the Pro 14 there for the last couple of years. I think they've actually been have they been part of it. The, the first year that there were South African teams in the Pro 14 was the year actually that I finished up. I remember because the boys had two very good trips down to South Africa at one stage or another, and I remember being in the gym trying to do rehab on my leg, trying to get it right, and I was looking at their their snaps that they were sending back, and you know they were going on these safaris, and the weather was lovely and all that and I was kind of a small but jealous I think the South African teams coming into the URC they'll probably bring a, a different dynamic um, it's, it's a hard one to call I, I think it's good obviously it's, it, it's good um, but it's a hard one to call because as to how they perform because you can see two starkly contrasting performances from the South Africans depending on whether they're home or away you know um, they do seem to suffer against some of the more the higher quality teams in that kind of URC Pro 14 league. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's good. I mean, like the more teams that are in a competition, um, the more challenges you face and the more you find out about yourself, I suppose. Yeah. Um, those fellas are lovely sending you snaps from South Africa, making you jealous. I know, yeah. I'm sitting... Sitting down, looking out at the window, looking at snow and rain and sleet. The boys are the boys are sunning themselves before a game, like you know. Yeah, um, desperate stuff. Um, anyway, I'm gonna ask you about the best day of your career. Um, I'd say the Pro 12 final win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That whole year, it's 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 like it's like a blur. Um, like obviously, you see so many people that put so much into something for years and years and years on end. Um, like say maybe John Muldoon, Ronan Lockney, some of the other guys that were there and had given their whole to Connacht for their you know for virtually all their lives, and then for them to be repaid with a with a victory like that. And don't get me wrong, I mean like, it wasn't nothing that was handed to us. It was, it was something that was earned. It was something that we worked on. Um just to see those kind of people, um to 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 see what it meant to them, see what it meant to their families. Like even for me to be a small, a very, very small cog in that in that big engine, um, I was absolutely delighted. I was absolutely thrilled uh, to see you know, obviously, you know, your own personal success, you know, it's great to be part of a winning team and all that. But just to see what it means to the to, to the people around you, um, I think, yeah, very, very special. The day of the final, yeah, that was great. Um, to narrow it down to one moment, all the Connacht fans, when we got off the bus, they had all gathered around uh, singing singing the fields of Atten Rye when we were going into the stadium. Um, I think it's fair to say that a lot of us were actually very emotionally um, hit by it. Like there's tears coming down a lot of our eyes. Didn't really yeah. expect it. Um, it was kind of at that moment, you know, and you kind of just look around the circle. You look at the lads, 
and you know you know what way it's going to pan out. So yeah, no, that was probably that was probably the best. Uh, ah, do you know what? Winning the final that day was great. The following day when we got on the beer was actually great crack. The following, the following two, the following two or three, the following two or three, two or three days after, when you're there with your teammates and you're soaking it in, that was that the they were special days, you know. Yeah, um, and I'll just go back to the bus coming in there. So we were, I was there, um, and, Very good. and we walked, we walked into the stadium, and we're just walking around, taking in the spectacle, and then we saw the buses coming in. Yeah. And the place just erupted. Yeah. It was crazy. It was insane. And, I, and we were like, holy God. Yeah. And it was, it, like, um, it was just crazy stuff. And, yeah. like, just uh, we looked up, you know, the steps there. Yeah, 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 yeah. We looked up there, a sea of green. Yeah. So, like, and, it's mad because, obviously, like, to get into Murrayfield, there's, like, loads of tiers up along. So, like, there's steps and then there's another level and then there's steps and then there's another level. And we got out, like, obviously all we saw in front of us was the, like, the first and the second level. But when you actually looked up, it was nearly all the way up to the ceiling of Connacht fans lining those uh, parapets or whatever you'd call them, those walkways, all chanting and cheering and singing the fields of that and right. It was crazy, insane. You know, if yeah. I haven't, I, you wouldn't get another feeling like it ever again, I don't think. No, I was just goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like after I I won't like you know I cheers me raise myself like John Muldoon like I've been supporting Connacht since I was I'd say 10 years of age and I'm now yeah. 17 and like I don't I don't I, I don't know if there'll ever be a day like it like um, uh, yeah I, I, suppose, I suppose you don't know but the same time you just do have to appreciate that you were there that you did see it like that's the way i feel anyway that's the way i feel because who knows hey they could win it next year they could win it the year after who knows they, they might kind of might never win it again you don't know you don't know so when you do get an experience like that you do have to soak it in and take it on oh to the interesting part oh lovely <laughs> <laughs> i i'm i promise you know they're not too bad hey where are they now I have to go find them. Um, so the All first, right, take your time. The first question is from Dennis Coulson. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? He's wondering uh, why do you drive a hairdresser's car? Like, all right, okay. There's two things there, right? The, the car I have is not a hairdresser's car. As much as he would like to say it is, it's not a hairdresser's car. But you know, if he ever listens to this podcast, the question I'd be throwing back at him is, why is he driving a redneck's Jeep? Like, he's living in the middle of Dublin City, but he's driving a Hilux that has an off-road kit on it that's jacked up into the air like some redneck from Mississippi. So, like, if he wants to be talking about dubious car decisions, um, he should actually go out and take a good look at his own bus, if I'm being brutally honest about it. What, what car do you drive? I have a, I have a, I have a white Jeep at the minute. It's a, it's a Range Rover. And Brian Smith asks, does he, st- <laughs> does he still weigh 127 kilograms? Kilos. Or no. Has that gone up? 
Oh, it's gone way up, I'd say. I was lean when I was 127 kilos. <laughs> um, yeah, like, in fairness, in fairness, Mark, that same guy that dropped that question, he actually looks like um, a sheep. Like, if you actually, if, like, later on, you get a good laugh off this. If you actually click into his Instagram and take a look at him, he actually, he actually looks like a sheep. Did you ever see your man uh, that, that was the Liverpool striker? Oh, jeez, what was his name? Dirk Kite. Remember no. Dirk Kite? You, no. go, what you do later, right, is take a look at Brian Smith and, and then, then take, a look, uh, take a look at Dirk Kite. They look the exact same. Right. Um, the next question is, I presume there's a bit of backstory to this. Uh, the question is, in, 20, in the 2018-19 season, yep. the Corinthians, who ate the last sausage before, who ate the last sausage before the game? <laughs> uh, Jack White Jack White at the last sausage who asked that question? Uh, with Corinthians we'd be playing a game whatever I didn't really want the lads having you know, I wanted them having proper breakfasts rather than you know a big fry up so like I wanted them to be eating poached eggs rashers without the fat on it maybe some pancakes porridge all stuff that would fuel you for a game right um there was a tray of sausages left out on one of the tables and the sausages were all eaten before the game and we went out and we actually lost. We were doing fitness because the guys weren't fit enough at this stage anyway. And I was making them do runs and I kept shouting at them, who ate all the sausages? Who ate all the sausages at the weekend? It's not good enough. Yeah, I kind of went on a bit of a war path, but it is what it is, you know. And the last question is, could, what was the highest and the lowest moment? Was, uh, the, the, I suppose, the injury that finished me. Um, so, like, I, I severed my hamstring clean off the bone um, in a scrum that collapsed one day. My hamstring snapped, it detached from my pelvis bone and ended up, it was like, your, your, your tendons are kind of stretched like an elastic, so when they break, you know, imagine an elastic that snaps, it just flings back in the opposite direction. My, my tendon is supposed to be attached into my pelvic bone. It actually ended up down behind my knee. Um, so to get that reattached, I had to go over to England to a specialist. He cut down the back of my leg about, I'd say about that length of a cut and had to get basically like a thing like a pliers and reach down into the back of my leg and pull back up the tendon and stitch it into my bone again. Um, so yeah, that was, I suppose, finding out that that injury finished me and that I wasn't going to play rugby again after that. That was probably one of the lowest points in my career, but in the grand scheme of things, as life goes, if that's the worst thing that ever happens to me, I'll be doing all right. And I just have a few more questions for myself and then I'll let you go. Yep. No problem, Mark. Um, so would you like have any advice to like our young rugby players coming up or Nothing like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose I suppose I would. I suppose I would. Like, and you know, I, you know, it's relevant. To, it's relevant to rugby, but like, it's it's probably relevant relevant to small bits of life as well. So, like, the main thing is just to work hard. Listen to the people that you trust. Listen to the people that are coaching. You. Listen to the people that are trying to help you. 
Um, but the biggest thing that you could you could have as, as a young rugby player is resilience, right? Um, and when I say being resilient, it's it's your head. Have it in your own mind, you know, that you know you're capable of 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 good things if you put the work in. Like that's that's half the problem as well with resilience as well, that people think that things are just handed to them these days. Um, the rea- the reality is that anybody that succeeds in life, they work extremely and extraordinarily hard at something to to get where they need to be, you know. Um, so probably just your work ethic, your work rate, being able to get up and look at yourself in the mirror and say, right, today I'm going to become a, a better version of myself. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to put on three stone weight of muscle overnight or anything like that. But just if you do something throughout the course of the day where you're going to be a better person for it, do it. Um, and yeah, just just that, constantly getting better, constantly improving, constantly wanting to learn. Um, and just then the resilience on top of that. They'd be, if like if you were a young rugby player and you were chatting to me and that's, you asked me for a bit of advice, that's probably what I'd say. And did you have any like, role models growing up like this doesn't have to be from sport you can pick a few from sport yeah. and then you can pick a few from whatever then I don't mind um role models that's a tough one like when I was growing up right um my father would have been a big role model for me um probably that's where I get some of my work ethic out of um because I see like what he sacrificed for me from my from my brother and my sister um to give us what we have or to give us the opportunities that he may not have had himself um now obviously he he, he also like he said jp uh, look I'll, I'll give you the opportunity but you have to go out and take it yourself so like you know if i wanted to go to rugby training down in cork if it was on the monster youths i'd get down there i'd be driven down i'd be collected after training um you know if if, if i wanted if i wanted to do a bit of study but he was after asking me to do a job, he'd say, do you know what, JP, you go in and do your study, I'll do the job. Um, you know, if I, in the summertime, he was able to get me a job that was very well paid um, throughout the course of the summer so that I'd be able to contribute my way through college as well. Um, now, obviously, like, I still had to get up and go to work every morning and a half, five in the morning and might, might not come in till 10 o'clock that night. But he gave me the opportunity to do it. Um, like it, definitely my father in terms of role models on, in, 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 a, in, I suppose, how you go about life. If I was to look at, if I was to look at somebody on a rugby pitch, uh, there's plenty, plenty of players I would have played with over the years. When I was younger, Paul Neville um, down in Gary Owen would have been a, would have been a big influence. Um, someone that I looked up to, someone that was not only my captain at one stage, but my coach as well. Um, just a tough, tough, tough man. Like when I talk about resilience, a man that's able to get up and keep going off the ground doesn't take doesn't take shite from anyone, money. Um, so yeah, they'd be probably two role models that you know I would have come across in my in my times. Like obviously you have the likes of say John Muldoon, uh, Bundy Aki, uh, Andrew Brown, some of my best friends, Owen McKeown, Matt Healy. They're all fantastic role models for any young man to 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 look up to. You know. Um, all within their own right. Yeah, and just talking about resilience there, and like some people think things get handled, and like I want to go to the Paralympics in a couple of years. 
but I know I'm gonna have to work, work hard. And if that's what I have to do, that's what I'll do. Like, because if you want something, that at yep. the end of the day, like, you put in the work, no matter if it's in sport or anything. Yeah, no matter what it is, Mark. Like, the thing about it is, though, you put your focus into it, you narrow it, you narrow your vision, and you live, you, you, you live like your dream or you live your goal every day. There's no reason that you can't achieve it. Absolutely none. Absolutely not. You know, like if you want getting to the Paralympics is your goal. Get up every day, tell yourself you're going to the Paralympics, but understand what has to be done and just keep moving towards it. That's all you have to do. Inch by inch, eventually they'll all add up to a mile at some stage. Right. Thank you very, very much, JP. No problem, Mark. It was great to talk to you. Very yeah. good. Yes, sir. You certainly brought your sense of humor, like I told you. Thanks. Thanks. I try my best. I try my best. I thought you let me off the hook a bit easy, to be honest. There's, normally, I get slagged a bit more, but I was I was delighted. I was delighted to get away as easy as I did. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I never. I never slag anyone. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. I wish there was more lads like you around. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Um, anyway, it was great to chat to you. Perfect, Mark. I really, really appreciate your time. You're more than welcome. More um, than happy to help. Um, hopefully, people get a bit of crack out of this now. Hopefully, and, hopefully. And yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully. No hassle. No hassle, Mark. I'll chat to you soon, Chief. Mind yourself. Like. So I thank you to JP Cooney for coming on. I really enjoyed it. I hope he did too. And yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you to him for coming on.